my home state, Connecticut, has lost its freaking mind. Yeah, we're going to talk about it tonight, coming up. Also, gay dads. Mm, okay. <laughs> and NFL racism. All that and more. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. That's me. I'm that guy. Welcome in. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, for those, by the way, uh, thanks to Diamond TNT for uh, following the show. We, uh, we popped in uh, uh, with her, and uh, thank, I think it's a her. Anyway, uh, her or him, whatever you are, we appreciate it. Thank you for the follow. Please do, if you haven't yet, hit that follow button down there. You get a free Rumble account, and then you can follow the show. You can also join in our live chat, which we monitor during the show. Anything you want to talk about, you want to make a comment about what we're talking about, or you want to talk about something completely off the mark, doesn't matter. Want to promote something, go ahead, I don't care. As long as it's legal, knock yourself out. Use me, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. Hey, just give me a second here before we get into the fact that my home state of Connecticut has completely gone off the deep end. Uh, we want to tell you about one of our great sponsors, and that would be Brickhouse Nutrition. Mm. Folks, your health and the food you put in your body, the fuel that runs your engine, it is more important than ever these days that you keep up with good nutrition. Fruits and vegetables are the key to healthy living. And Brickhouse Nutrition is a great way to get all the fruits and vegetables you need in one single healthy drink. Fruits and veggies, the anchor of any healthy diet, of course, but they're hard to cook, they're hard to prepare, you gotta go shopping for them, you gotta get, you know, hope they don't go off before you get to cooking them and preparing them. Generally, it's a pain in the butt. Well, Brickhouse Nutrition has found a way to put and pack all of that nutrition into this healthy drink powder. Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. It is a science-backed formula of specific, healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables all ground up into this amazing tasting powder, which you can mix with, with anything, with green tea, orange juice, water, plain water if you want, also tastes great that way. And these are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. These are not supplements. If you look on the back of that package, it says nutrition facts, not supplement facts, because there is a difference. These are USDA organic food products they use. And this product, I'm telling you, is amazing. Look, they're all decked out for the holidays here. Uh, these are some of their best sellers. Field of Greens, Wild Berry, which is a really great flavor. Uh, they've got all kinds of great stuff there. Built with science, mortared with innovation. Made in the US, headquartered in Texas, formulated by physicians, industry expert content, and a 60-day guarantee. Something for the whole family, too, by the way, whether you're an elite athlete or you're just looking to add a little extra to your health, to your diet. This is the perfect set of products to do that with Brickhouse Nutrition. There is a link down in our show notes that will get you to Brickhouse Nutrition and get you one hell of a deal from Brickhouse Nutrition. Check it out. 
Go to the link in our show notes and find out more. Brick House Nutrition. Get healthy. Trust me, you use this product, you're going to wind up going to your next checkup and your doctor's going to go, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Seriously. Brickhouse Nutrition Field of Greens, highly recommend them. Great stuff. Marilyn RP says, I'm here and I can't wait to hear this one. Love you. We love you too, Marilyn. <laughs> All right. Now, I don't want to dox anybody, but I'm telling you, I grew up in Connecticut. I was born, actually, I was born at the Charlotte Hungerford Hospital in Torrington, but my family at the time, my mom and dad, lived in Cornwall, Connecticut. Cornwall is up in the northeast corner, or northwest corner of the state. It's very rural. When I grew up there, everybody knew everybody. We didn't only leave our doors unlocked, we usually left our doors open. Uh, I lived in East Cornwall and then moved off Great Hill down onto Route 128 in West Cornwall. Um, there were a lot of very famous people who lived and currently live in Cornwall. Uh, but for a time, I spent a long time doing morning radio in Torrington at WSNG. And uh, Marilyn was one of my favorite people on the planet. She has followed me from way back in my radio days. What is it now, Marilyn? 40 years or more? Yeah, I think it, it has been. It's been 40 plus years. Oh my God, I'm so old. Anyway, having said all that, the state of Connecticut has absolutely lost its mind. What the hell are you people doing? Are you nuts? I mean, look, Connecticut is a blue state. It will always be a blue state. Nothing is going to change that. There are some dyed-in-the-wool conservative redsters out there. Love you to death. There are. I mean, you get much out of the big cities and uh, not too far out into the country, and you will find a lot of conservative values out there. Marilyn, you're 79? Holy crap. Wow. I'm 65, I think. I, uh, my birthday's next month, so we'll figure it out then. Anyway, back to this story, because it is just that weird. They've decided in Connecticut to wipe clean 80,000 criminal records. It's called the Clean Slate Law, and it's insane. Basically, if you committed a crime more than seven years ago, you don't have to worry about it. No problem. It's been expunged from your record. It's gone. It automatically erases criminal records of people seven years after the date of conviction for misdemeanors and for some felony convictions. It also applies after 10 years. This is insane. What is the matter with you people? It's from John Solomon's Just the News site. 
It is a long-delayed law which is set to go into effect next year. Clean Slate Law, approved by the legislature in 2021, automatically erases the criminal records of people seven years after the date of their conviction for misdemeanors and 10 years for some low-level felonies. It's as if they hadn't been convicted of any crimes. If you've kept your nose clean for the last seven years, the slate's wiped. You've got no criminal history. Governor Ned Lamont, a.k.a. the moron, said the goal of the law, now get this, was to remove barriers to jobs, education, and housing for people convicted of low-level offenses. <laughs> Here's a quote in a statement from Lamont. Turning your life around after making a mistake isn't easy, but many people who've been convicted of low-level offenses and haven't committed any other crimes find those convictions haunting them for decades. The idea that minor crimes should remain a part of someone's permanent record is outdated. Really? Maybe it's still in effect because it works? Just hang on. Ineffective and can cause more harm than good. $8 million computer system. Now live. And over the next month, if you meet the clean state law's eligibility requirements, you will have your offenses automatically erased from your records. They have flagged 178,499 offenses from more than 80,000 people that will be automatically erased next month. People with convictions prior to the year 2000, also eligible, but they have to first petition a court for approval. Let me explain something. When you're a police officer and you have a suspect in mind, what's one of the things that you do? You take a look at that person's criminal history. You find out what they've done in the past, if they've been convicted of anything. That often will show you a pattern it doesn't mean that person is guilty or innocent. It simply shows a detective a pattern. And it helps in the investigation. Not anymore. These records wiped clean after seven years. Minor offenses or not. For example, studies and science has shown that very often child sex predators 
had a history as kids and teenagers of abusing animals. I know it's a weird stretch, but it's a fact. If someone had been convicted of animal abuse in the past, and it's been seven years, or ten if it's a minor felony, slate swipe clean, clean, no record of that. So when you go in and search someone's background, it won't be there. This is insane. This is insane. Look, I understand when you commit a crime, that will follow you forever. It makes it difficult to get a job. It makes it difficult to get a rent. It makes it difficult for a lot of things. So here's an idea. Don't commit a freaking crime. Duh. Not rocket science. I'm sorry that this record of yours, because you are a criminal, is following you around and screwing up your life. Maybe you should have thought of that before you committed the crime. But no. Suffer. I don't care. My criminal history is clean. I have no arrests, no conviction. I've never been suspected of anything. I was law enforcement for five years. That means 65 years. Yeah, I'm that freaking old. I kept my nose clean. I didn't always do the right thing. There's a few things I've done in my life that I probably could have been arrested for. I didn't get caught. I have just minor stupid bullshit stuff. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. You don't want your record following you around because it makes it hard to get a job, makes it hard to find a rent. Best advice I can give you, don't do the freaking crime. Duh. But in Connecticut, knock yourselves out. There's another blue state mystery for you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Honestly, what the hell are you doing? I'm surprised the first place this has popped off has been Connecticut. Seriously. This sounds more like a California thing. Or Colorado. Ah, oh, man. Hey, you know, we do these stories about Europe and the EU and Australia and Southeast Asia. And I always tell you the reason is because what happens over there is going to sneak its ugly ass into our country before long. Well, to that end, I found this story from ReclaimTheNet.org, and it relates exactly to what I'm always telling you, the reason I cover, this is a show for America. We're all about the good old US of A. But the reason I cover those things when they happen in the other parts of the world is because they're test markets. Our little legislators are just sitting back, biding their time, wonder what's gonna happen in the EU with this law. When it works or it doesn't work, you think they don't notice? Oh, they notice. Look at this headline. U.S. lawmakers tell Biden 
to scrutinize how the EU regulates U.S. tech companies. Now, the European Union is getting heavy involved with policing online speech with their new regulations. America builds, Europe regulates. That's been the prevailing sentiment for a long time, especially when it comes to technology. However, U.S. lawmakers are increasingly concerned with the way they are regulating free speech and tech in the EU. Regulations bogging down tech companies, even suppressing American values. This growing pushback, especially pertinent just this week, the EU announced an investigation, here we go, into Elon Musk's X platform, demanding censorship, which means basically whatever they don't agree with they call disinformation and want it censored. Now, a cross-party coalition of U.S. legislators expressed concern to the president regarding the EU's approach to regulating technology companies. According to a document that Reuters got their hands on, these lawmakers suggest that EU's policies disproportionately affect U.S. firms, largely exempting Chinese and European companies. This group of 21 House of Representatives voiced their apprehension in this letter, said the EU's regulations might undermine Americans' economic and security interests and they urged the rotting bag of flesh, otherwise known as Biden, to engage with EU officials to guarantee an unbiased implementation of the rules. Oh, I'm sure Joe's going to have a lot of sway with the leaders of the EU. They're going to be laughing his ass right out of the building. Please, they couldn't give a rat's butt more about A, anything Joe Biden has to say or do, or be whatever we might feel they couldn't possibly care less about. All they're interested in is suppressing the truth, which is what this dystopian crap is the EU has put into effect. And we could be next. Nice that this group of 21 House of Representative people are actually paying attention But don't think they won't turn around on a dime or in a New York minute, as some say, if it came to pass here. It'd be exactly the same. You want more woke news? I got some, and it's right out of the wokest of the woke. New York City. They, the city council in New York, has voted to ban solitary confinement in city jails. 
former police captain, Mayor Eric Adams, says the legislation, if implemented, would unquestionably make our city less safe. It's from the Epic Times. Links in our show notes. You can check it out. This is, the, this is just the dumbest thing ever. They voted yesterday to approve new legislation that would ban most uses of solitary confinement in city jails, arguing the practice is inhumane. Again, like I said a couple stories ago, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. This bill, sponsored by public advocate Jumani Williams, passed by the Democrat-controlled, of course, Democrat-controlled council, 39 to 7. Under the measures, detainees who pose a significant risk of imminent serious physical injury to themselves or others will be allowed to be placed into de-escalation confinement for a maximum of four hours after an episode of violence. <laughs> Folks, when I first got into law enforcement, I was what was called a detention deputy, basically a prison guard. Uh, Monroe County Sheriff's Office, I was a detention deputy for a couple of years before I was appointed into the uh, Sheriff's Department's uh, Internal Affairs so I became an internal affairs inspector. Uh, so I have spent time. It's not a prison, it's a jail. Jail is for pre-trial detainees. Once you get convicted, if you're guilty, you go to prison. Two different things. We had different blocks. A, B, A was high profile, basically locked down. B was the female dorm. C and D were kind of general pop. And then there was E, F, G, and H, I think, which were trustees, the ones who did some of the work, things like that. But I worked in block A, which in, in, and they did not come out of their cells except for a shower individually and maybe an hour of rec yard time. Other than that, they were locked down. There were people charged with multiple murders being held in those cells. There were people who had started fights, injured other inmates. They're watched 24-7. There were some badass people in those cells. And they needed to be there for their safety and everybody else's safety. Some of those cells, you did not open the door unless you had another two or three officers with you. Bad folks. But solitary confinement is an absolute necessity. Not in New York, apparently, because they're doing away with it. There's the whole article from the Epic Times is in our show notes. You want to check it out, read it. But trust me, this is a mistake. 
they are going to be very, very sorry for. Nightmare. Absolute nightmare. All right. What else we got? Oh, Netflix. I love busting on Netflix because, you know, it's Netflix. They're woke. And hopefully they're going to go broke. Have you heard of Cocomelon? If you have a young child, the chances are you have heard of Cocomelon because it is among the most popular television series for young children. Netflix has been blasted for an episode of Cocomelon, which shows a boy dressing up in girls' clothes to dance around for his two gay dads. The young boy trying to decide whether he should wear boy or female clothing and ultimately decides to wear a tutu and a tiara. I can't play the clip from the show because of copyright stuff. And you know Netflix, they're not so crazy about their copyright stuff. But there's the two gay dads. There's a little kid who can't decide if he wants to wear little boy or little girl clothes, so he, he takes a tiara and a tutu. This is one of their most popular children's shows. Coco Melon Lane, produced by Moonbug Entertainment. The most popular show on the streaming service, wait for it, for babies and toddlers, ages two and up. This episode has resulted in individuals across social media calling for a boycott of the company. The episode in question features a young boy dancing around the room in a dress for the approval of his two gay fathers who tell him, just be you. Episode 8. After a scene of the episode made its way onto X, Outrage among the conservative base followed. Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire says Netflix needs the full Bud Light treatment for this. <laughs> They've launched their own net. The Daily Wire, by the way, has launched its own alternative children's network. It's called Bent Key. Features a steady stream of programming that does not encourage children to attempt to swap genders or engage in behaviors such as drag, promoting adult sexual fetish lifestyles. But there you go. The rest of this story from the uh, post-millennial is in our show notes. I don't really have a problem normalizing same-sex couples because there are same-sex couples. They are legally allowed to get married. They have every right to. Some have adopted children or had children through surrogates. They're raising them in a healthy environment. 
But when you force this kind of gender-bending crap down a two-year-old's eye sockets, that's when that line gets crossed and I have a problem. Netflix. Read the article, please. Check it out. Find out more about it. And consider where the money's going that you're paying Netflix every month. This is a weird one. It's from Reuters. I don't use many Reuters stories, but this one caught my eye. Wisconsin, a factory city in Wisconsin, is feeding military-grade weapons to, wait for it, a Mexican drug cartel. No, I'm not kidding. Right there. A single sniper rifle led investigators to a syndicate deep in the United States that armed Mexico's fentanyl trafficking Jalisco New Generation Cartel. Race scene, Wisconsin well-known for its factories, farming, television prom celebration. In 2018, Racine's suburban sprawl on the edge of Lake Michigan became a source of high-caliber weapons for one of Mexico's top fentanyl trafficking gangs, CJNG. Cartel Jalisco Nuevo Generacion. That, according to investigators with the U.S. Federal Arms Trafficking Division. What happened is the cartel exploited these rather permissive federal and state-level gun control rules to buy some of the most powerful weapons available to American civilians. According to two former agents with the uh, ATF, two other sources, all with knowledge of this investigation, here's what happened. Members of a local family working with a cousin in Mexico enlisted friends and relatives who bought guns on their behalf in Racine very high-powered guns. Then they transported the, the guns to California and then south across the border into the hands of the cartel. Wow. Their clients included a hit squad reporting to CJNG leader Nemicio Oseguera, better known as El Mencho. The racing case unlocked the most prolific firearms trafficking network ever discovered. Wow. That looks lethal. That's a 50 cal Beretta, or Beret. 
M107A1 semi-automatic. Jeez. Wow. In the hands of the Mexican drug cartels. Very nice. Thank God they found out about it and stopped it. Man, I'm telling you. We are all over the board tonight. <laughs> Once again, I should have connected this to our previous story about Netflix, but eh, what the hell, we're scatterbrained tonight, okay? So bear with it. <clears throat> this one also in our show notes, check it out. It's from the Daily Signal. A Missouri school district has a brand new coloring book for kids. And inside this coloring book are pages on preferred pronouns and gender expression. These coloring books are for kindergartners. Hmm. Kindergartners. Preferred pronouns. Gender preferences. A Missouri school district providing elementary teachers with coloring pages asking kids as young as kindergarten to choose their pronouns and draw the corresponding hair and clothing. Webster Groves School District Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Here we go again with this bullshit. Shane Williamson emailed administrators a resource list of gender identity and expression activities. I believe it would be good to start our own resource sheet that provides ideas and activities that can help affirm and support our elementary students around the topic of gender identity and expression, Williamson said in the email. These kids who basically want to be pirates when they grow up don't need to be confused about what gender they are and what their personal pronouns are. Yet, here we go. Take a look. There, this is the actual page from the coloring book. Name. It says, what style feels the most like you? Draw yourself here. Use the picture for ideas or create your own unique look. So here you can pick your hair, pick your jewelry, pick your clothes. What is that, a loincloth? Dresses, coats, pants, skirts. The My Personal Style coloring page asks kids to draw themselves in the style that feels most like you. Features a gender-neutral child, surrounded by both boy and girl options for hair, clothing, and jewelry. Kids as young as five years old, folks, Leave 
our, you know what I'm going to say, I say it every day, leave our kids alone. It's all we ask. It's all we ask. And yet, you won't stop. They won't stop till somebody draws that line and says no more. That has to be you. It has to be you. Go to your school board meetings. Get on an FBI list if you have to by showing up at a school board meeting and actually having an opinion. But you have to do it. You simply have to do it. It is the only way they're going to learn to keep their hands off our kids. All right, from the Washington Examiner, a former NFL player is an absolute dyed-in-the-wool freaking racist. There's no more plain way to say it than exactly that. This moron thinks white people shouldn't be commenting on football. No, I'm not kidding. A link is in our show notes from the Washington Examiner. Another day, another racist, prejudiced, anti-white, discriminatory message doesn't receive any widespread condemnation. That's life in the area of anti-racism and the tolerance and acceptance of the 21st century. Richard Mendenhall, former NFL running back, shared his disdain for white people commenting on professional football. Post made Monday on X. Kind of inflammatory, bigoted, racist rhetoric that would cause a national outrage if a white person had posted it. Some other form of extreme societal scorn, scrutiny. But... Because Mendenhall is black, his racist message, perfectly okay. Nobody even batted an eye. Here's what he said. Listen. I'm sick of average white guys commentating on football. Y'all not even good at football, Mendenhall posted. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. This is racism, pure and simple. This is the definition of racism. Apparently, this guy saw somebody make a comment or give some sort of opinion about a sporting event. And all he saw was the commentator's skin color. And nobody talks about it because he's not the right color. Imagine if the races and the roles were reversed. Imagine. 
All right, one more quick one, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. In fact, I don't even need to show you. It's, the link is in our show notes. This has to do with Ashton Forbes. Ashton Forbes, Forbes is a fellow, we talked about him before on this show, and he has done a remarkable job of researching some leaked video, which I know when you're going to you hear this story, you're going to say, oh, that's all been debunked. No, it absolutely has not been debunked. They are trying everything they can to control the narrative, to gaslight you into believing things that simply are not true. Ashton appeared on a MUFON live stream today. In fact, well, yesterday. It was amazing. And in it's about an hour and a half long. It was quite long. There is a link to Ashton's uh, YouTube channel in our show notes down at the bottom. Check it out. Subscribe to his channel. Watch his videos. They are incredible. And he, ha I'm burying the lead here. What he has these leaked videos of is of Malaysian Airlines flight MH370, which, as you know, disappeared and has never been seen since. And the stuff he has is amazing. I remember, now, for those of you who don't know, even though this show is purely about America, all about America, I actually uh, stay in Malaysia. I remember the day this happened, the night this happened. It was nighttime here. I remember, in fact, seeing a post on my Facebook from a dear friend who said something like, pray for MH370, the plane's gone missing, or something like that. It was the first inkling I had that anything was happening. And after that, it all went downhill from there. This guy has some amazing footage. They're trying to do everything they can to debunk him. It ain't working. To make him look like a fool. It ain't working. He has countered every piece of debunk bullshit that's out there. I am trying to get him on our show for a live interview if I can. I'm trying. Now, because of the Malaysia connection, I'm hoping he might be interested. Our audience is pure America, but trust me, you're going to want to listen to this. And we thought we'd give him, you know, half a show or something to come on and explain just kind of the 30,000 feet version of uh, what's going on. And a lot has been going on. You need to check it out. If you want to know the background of what's happening with MH370 and the research into this apparently legit bit of weird footage, links in our show notes. Check it out. And with luck, I'm just letting you know beforehand, with luck, we will have Ashton on our show live and uh, give you a chance to listen in. Find out what it's all about. Okay, book time. Yeah, we missed our book last night. We had so much going on, we couldn't fit it in. We got time tonight, so let's pop on over. One of the things we do at the end of every show is we read a part of a chapter of a book, children's classic literature mostly. We've done The Wizard of Oz, Peter Pan, White Fang, Jungle Book, so many great books. And right now, we're about halfway through Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. 
There's also a link, by the way, in our show notes to a documentary about Robert Louis Stevenson, which is fascinating. If you're interested, check that out. So we are beginning tonight on chapter 15, which is called The Man of the Island. From the side of the hill, which was here steep and stony, a spout of gravel was dislodged, and I felt fell rattling and bounding through the trees. My eyes turned instinctively in that direction, and I saw a figure leap with great rapidity behind the trunk of a pine. What it was, whether bear or man or monkey, I could nowise tell. It seemed dark, shaggy. More I knew not. But the terror of this new apparition brought me to a stand. I was now, it seemed, cut off upon both sides. Behind me, the murderers. Before me, this lurking nondescript. And immediately I began to prefer the dangers that I knew to those I knew not. Silver himself appeared less terrible in contrast with this creature in the woods. And I turned on my heel and, looking sharply behind me over my shoulder, began to retrace my steps in the direction of the boats. Instantly, the figure reappeared, and making a wide circuit, began to head me off. I was tired, at any rate, but I'd been as fresh as when I rose. I could see it was in vain for me to contend in speed with such an adversary. From trunk to trunk, the creature flitted like a deer, running man-like on two legs, but unlike any man I had ever seen. Stooping almost double as it ran. Yet a man it was. I could no longer be in doubt about that. I began to recall what I had heard of cannibals. I was within an ace of calling for help, but the mere fact that he was a man, however wild, had somewhat reassured me, and my fear of silver began to revive in proportion. I stood still, therefore, and cast about for some method of escape, and as I was so thinking, the recollection of my pistol flashed into my mind. As soon as I remembered I was not defenseless, courage glowed again in my heart, and I set my face resolutely for this man of the island, and walked briskly towards him. He was concealed this time behind another tree trunk, but he must have been watching me very closely, for as soon as I began to move in his direction, he reappeared and took a step to meet me. Then he hesitated, drew back, came forward again, and at last, to my wonder and confusion, threw himself upon his knees and held out his clasped hands in supplication. At that, I once more stopped. Who are you? I asked. Ben Gunn, he answered. His voice sounded hoarse and awkward like a rusty lock. I'm poor Ben Gunn, I am, and I haven't spoke with a Christian these three years. I could now see that he was a white man like myself. 
and that his features were even pleasing. His skin, wherever it was exposed, was burned by the sun. Even his lips were black, and his fair eyes looked quite startling in so dark a face. Of all the beggar men I'd seen or fancied, he was the chief for raggedness. He was clothed with tattered of old ship's canvases and old sea cloth, and his extraordinary patchwork was all held together by a system of the most various and incongruous fastenings. Brass buttons, bits of stick, loops of terry gaskin. About his waist he wore an old brass buckled leather belt, which was the one solid thing in his, uh, his hole and coutrement. Three years, I cried. Were you shipwrecked? Nay, mate, said he, marooned. I'd heard that word before, and I knew it stood for a horrible kind of punishment, common enough among the buccaneers, in which the offender is put ashore with a little powder and shot and left behind on some desolate, distant island. Marooned three years agone, he continued, lived on goats since then, and berries and oysters. Wherever a man is, says I, a man can do for himself. But, mate, my heart is sore for Christian diet. You might happen to have a piece of cheese about you, do you? No, well... Many's the long night I've dreamed of cheese toasted mostly and woke up again and here I were. If ever I can get aboard again, said I, you shall have cheese by the stone. All this time he'd been feeling the stuff in my jacket, smoothing my hands, looking at my boots, and generally in the intervals of his speech showing a childish pleasure in the presence of a fellow creature. But my last words, he perked up into a kind of startled slyness. If you ever get aboard again, says you, he repeated, why now, who's to hinder you? Not you, I know, was my reply. And right you was, he cried. Now you, now, what do you call yourself, mate? Jim, I told him. Jim, Jim, he said, quite pleased, apparently. Well, now, Jim, I've lived that rough as you'd be ashamed to hear of. Now, for instance, you wouldn't think I had a pious mother to look at me, he asked. Why, no, not in particular, I answered. Aha, well, he said, but I had remarkable pious and I was a civil pious boy and could rattle off my catechism that fast as you couldn't tell one word from another. Here's what it come to, Jim. It begun with a chuck farthing on the blessed gravestones. That's what it begun with. But it went further than that. And so my mother told me and predicted the whole she did, the pious woman. But it were providence that put me here. I've thought it all out in this here lonely island, and I'm back on piety. You can catch me tasting rum so much, you can't catch me tasting rum so much, but just a thimbleful for luck, of course, with the first chance I have. 
I'm bound I'll be good, and I'll see the way to... And Jim, looking all around him and lowering his voice to a whisper, I'm rich. Now, I felt sure that poor fellow had gone crazy in his solitude, and I suppose I must have shown that feeling on my face, for he repeated the statement hotly. Rich! Rich, I says. I'll tell you what, I'll make a man of you, Jim. Aha, Jim, you'll bless your stars, you will. You was the first that found me. At this, there came suddenly a lowering shadow over his face, and he tightened his grip upon my hand and raised a forefinger threateningly before my eyes. Now, Jim, you tell me true. That ain't Flint's ship, he asked. At this, I had a happy inspiration. I began to believe that I'd found an ally, and I answered him at once. It's not Flint's ship, and Flint is dead. But I'll tell you true as you ask me. There are some of Flint's hands aboard. Worse luck for the rest of us. Not a man with one leg, he gasped. Silver, I asked. Ha! Silver, says he. That was his name. He's the cook and the ringleader, too. He was still holding me by the wrist, and at that he gave it quite a ring. If you was sent by Long John, he said, I'm as good as pork, and I know it. But where was you, do you suppose? I'd made up my mind in a moment, and by way of answer told him the whole story of our voyage, the predicament in which we found ourselves. He heard me with the keenest interest, and when I'd done, he patted me on the head. You're a good lad, Jim, he said, and you're all in a clove hitch, ain't you? Well, you just put your trust in Ben Gunn. Ben Gunn's the man to do it. Would you think it likely now that your squire would prove a liberal-minded one in case of help? Him being in a clove hitch, as you remark, I told him the squire was the most liberal of men. And that's where we'll cut it off for today, and we will continue on with this chapter tomorrow on our show. Hey, don't forget, please pop uh, by for a quick free Rumble account. It's easy to sign up, and then hit that follow button down there. We really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Marilyn, love you to pieces. Madbone and all the other gang that are out there are regulars. We really do appreciate you. Thank you again for popping by, saying hi, and helping to support the show. Check out our sponsors, Brickhouse Nutrition, Blackout Coffee, and all those other great folks. I will see you again tomorrow. Thanks, folks. Yeah.